time for Mac Geek Gab, and listener Mike brings us our quick tip of the week. Mike, take it away. Hi, Dave and John. It's Mike calling you from Wake Forest, North Carolina. Welcome back to my car from the supermarket where I always use Apple Pay. And it's getting cold here. And I frequently would pull up my sleeve and look at my watch and double tap the side button, get my card ready. And I've decided that's too much. So I can reach under my sleeve, double tap the button. I know what my default card is. And I lean my sleeve against the reader and it worked just fine. I know there's a distance thing for the uh, NFC, but through my, through my sweatshirt, worked great. Happy holidays. That's a great tip. More tips like that, plus your questions answered today on Mac Geek Up 961 for Monday, December 26th, 2022. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geek Up, the show where you send in tips like that. Questions, cool stuff found. We try to answer your questions. We share your tips. We share your cool stuff found. The goal is we link it together into an agenda so that each of us learns at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Factor. We're at go.factor75.com slash MGG60. Man, just visit MacGeekUp.com. We'll, we'll get you that link. Uh, that's where you can go to uh, get these fantastic, fro- never frozen meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. Two minutes? Two minutes. Get 60% off your first box. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. And also Rocket Money. Go to rocketmoney.com slash MGG. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year at canceling all those things you didn't know you had. For now, here in the bunker, the generator-powered bunker, in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, where things are pretty much normal, <laughs> we got a little rain, little wind. Knocked over one of my trash cans that was the biggest casualty, and, and a, a branch came down. But here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. And here, just about three miles from Dave in Lee, New Hampshire, where the power's been on all day. Sorry, Dave, had to rub it in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> It's Pilot Pete, and may I say to the folks watching us on the live stream, happy Festivus. Oh, yes. To those listening, the day the show drops, happy Boxing Day. Hope you had a pleasant Christmas. There you go. And Or whatever you celebrate. Yes, of course. Yes. And and I I didn't mean to cut you off there, Pete. I thought you had finished, but I wanted to make sure that if you are watching the live stream, uh, or even if not, you could wish Pete a happy or belated happy birthday here on oh Festivus the 23rd. Thanks for joining us on your birthday, Pete. This is great. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be here. I've officially um, reached geezer status. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to add to the Apple Watch tip. I learned this when I first got my Apple Watch. Um, and the, uh, the, the person at, at the store that I went to was like, uh, hold it down. And then it doesn't work very well if the watch is facing up. Oh, hold it, it face down. Your arm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, and and you're, you're right. Just yelling at her. Hold it down over there. <laughs> that worked. Well, that's right. Hold it down, Mr. Braun. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, 
if uh, yeah, that and that would work. That's good to know with with, in, with Mike's tip. Yeah, you're right because if you're going to do it through clothes, you want to have the you want to have it as close. Um, uh, and as if you're on you on an iPhone, typically the best spot is the top rear of the phone when you're hovering it near the sensor. I've learned that as well. Yeah, I I've found that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, man. It's um, we'll see how long we can do with the show. This it seems fairly stable right now. We we it, this is the day the big rain slash wind slash heat storm. It's like fifty five degrees as we're recording this on Friday the twenty third um, in the day. By tonight, it's supposed to be down into like the twenties, which is crazy. But um, we lost power. At about four, five a four thirty or something a.m., and it came back at eight a.m. Uh, and then we tried to record the show at about ten a.m., and that's when the power started flickering, which I thought we might be able to ride through. I was wrong. Uh, and then the power just went out again at I don't know somewhere probably close to eleven, and it's it's been out for a couple of hours now that uh, we're recording. So I am fully on generated power. Clearly, my internet connection is still solid. Knocking on the wood to make sure that yeah. that we don't screw that up. But uh, but yeah, yeah, we've got the we've got a standby generator at the house that kicks on automatically, and then here in the office slash studio, uh, I'm running. Uh, it's a it's a portable generator that hooks up via a Gentran box to the to the circuit panel and and you know runs everything. I, so. I think the technical term for the pre-show machinations which we experienced was. Uh, Goat rope, uh, up. It was a, it was a goat rodeo for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's but we're here now. Let's, let's not it. linger too long because we don't know how long we actually have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, none it, of jo- us do. None of us. Well, isn't that the Very truth? prophetic? Yeah, boy, howdy. Wow, John just took it right to the serious. I like it. Uh, all right. Uh, you want to uh, take us to listener Tim and we'll, let's do some quick tips. We promised them some quick tips and by golly, even if we have to yep. use gasoline to power this show, we're going to give them quick tips. So Tim has not one, but two quick tips and we'll make these uh, quick. I think uh, so Tim says, just found a few items you can add to your spotlight reference folder. Uh, I don't have one of those, but uh, attached is Apple's official support article for keyboard shortcuts specific to Spotlight. Uh, Attached are two screenshots from the interwebs. Live flight tracking direct from Spotlight? Just punch in the flight number into the Spotlight search box. I never knew this. Screenshot attached breaks it down with all the info. And I confirm this. uh, It'll also do this if you're in safari or or, i'm sorry yeah in safari if you type in a flight number it'll also do this matching thing so that's kind of cool yep yeah uh and i actually looked up one of my flights i I didn't realize the complexity but but i punched in actually one of my two flights uh for when we're gonna all party in vegas or well maybe not we we have to work a little bit but it it found my flight and i'm like cool (laughs) It found one of my flights. I think I typed in Delta, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. And it's like, yep, here it is. So uh, get ready. Uh, number two, there's another tip. Uh, I kind of like this rambling here. Um, there's another tip on the other screenshot, but I already forgot what it was. But I do remember it was worth taking a screenshot, but not awesome enough for me to stop typing. So no one the sees the screenshot, app. not even the people on the video stream. So make sure we let's describe what's going on here. here here's the tip. Um, yeah, basically condensing it. 
Um, if you match something in Spotlight, if you hold down the command key, it'll show you the path to the file. Oh, that's so that's handy. handy. And I've done that in the past. Yeah, I think I was in Spotlight. I don't know why. And I think it was, you know, I, I think a lot of these quick tips are finger fumbles. Is like you hit the wrong key at the wrong time, but you hit it and then it's like, oh, that's useful. For sure. Yeah. Good stuff. Speaking of keyboard quick tips, listener Alex S. shared in our Discord at MacGeekUp.com slash Discord. Uh, issue a command tab. Continue holding the command key down and immediately issue a command one. So you're holding down command and then you just shift from you just move one of your fingers from tab to one. Uh, if you have multiple apps open and multiple windows for at least some of those apps, um, it will start to show you the windows for those apps. It's a very cool thing. It's uh it's called Apple. Apple calls it application windows. I call it show me the windows mode because you can scroll through and see the windows of the apps that you're going to be choosing. It's really cool. Uh, I had, well, I just found even more Dave. Amazing. Yet more. There's more. But wait, so there's less. I, I had, yeah, I, I held down command. I hit tab. And then if you go to one, it takes you back to the first of those windows. But if you hold down, say number or touch the number six while holding the command key, it takes you to the sixth window. What? You can go directly there. I mean, obviously, you know, it's probably faster just hit, depending how many windows you got open. Sure. I've got nine, but I can hit nine. It takes me to the ninth. Amazing. That's cool. Never even. Yeah. I love it. All this and more. John, more. We got more from Jim. And I verified this, believe it or not. Um, uh, hello, John, Dave, and Pete, I very much enjoy your podcast. Thank you. Woo. Um, sometimes I stumble across something obvious and wonder how or why I was not previously aware of it. I have an Apple Magic Keyboard on my iPad Pro 11-inch. I was aware that, similar to the Mac, you could use Command-Tab to display the list of running apps and switch between them. Uh, which I've never tried before. Um, uh, I was also aware that if, when continuing to hold the Command key, typing Q would quit the selected app. Okay. While I don't routinely quit apps on the iPad, if for some reason I wanted to quit the app, I was just using my previous technique was to type command tab, then command dash dot or command, command dot. dot. I guess. He's just saying command period, <clears throat> command period, which is, ah, which is okay. shortcut for cancel, by the way. Command right. period is, is yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just putting the dash yeah. in there when you're reading. It. Oh, so wait, no, it. there's a squiggly next to it. Okay. Yeah. yeah read it without the dash. Um, uh, then while continuing to hold the command key, type Q to quit. However, I recently discovered that this wasn't necessary. Command W will quit any app immediately. I was also aware that holding down the command key will bring up a menu of available shortcuts in any app. So I checked this to see if this newly discovered quit or close command was listed as an option. It was not. I also made a quick Google search for quit apps on iPad. Nada. Don't feel so bad now. Wonder if this might be a new feature. I don't know why Apple would choose to use Command Q on the Mac and Command W on the iPad. If I consider it as closing a window on the iPad rather than quitting the app, I guess it makes more sense. Yeah, I think I think that's the key. There is that you're never really quitting the apps. You're just closing the windows, and once you close the last one, which with most apps, there's only one. Uh, away it goes. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, the eye opener to me is that I've never paired a keyboard with my iPad Got until I was invigorated by by this tip. And I'm like, yeah, let me see if this works. It, it, uh, the iPad and iOS are really weird, though, is that a lot of external devices, they don't show up in settings unless you activate them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like wait. one time I was like, can I plug an Ethernet adapter into my iPad? It's like, let's find out. And I did a USB-C Ethernet adapter. And all of a sudden, Ethernet showed up in settings yeah. where it did not before. And you didn't need to activate it. It just was there, right? Yeah, I just don't know how I feel about the settings not being there unless you have the hardware plugged in. Though I guess it kind of makes sense. Same on the Mac. You don't see an Ethernet yep. port if you don't have an Ethernet port. Yeah. Well, it's still listed, though, in, in the network settings. Though. No, it's not. No? Not okay. if you don't have right. one. Yeah, if okay. you've got just a laptop with right, no right. Ethernet okay. port, it's not there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's only listing the hardware it sees until it... But if you were to plug in, like, a USB Ethernet adapter or a Thunderbolt Ethernet adapter to your Mac, mm. that would appear just magically in the list. It's it's it's, it's the same functionality, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pete, you you uh, did you have something to add to that? Well, I was going to. I was I was a little confused there. Somehow I missed that it. it was the iPad he was talking about. So I'm doing the. Uh, it's, I hope my sister isn't listening. She's getting a new iPad case with a keyboard Woo. built in. So I'll be able to play with some of those here day after tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> see how it goes. And then I would just uh, remind people that I know we've talked about this before. But if you go up to the menu on any program that you're looking at and pull down file or edit or if you you know any of those pull down menus, look at the command and then look to the right and you'll see, you know, command C, copy, command W, close the window. So the, those keyboard commands are there. And if, once you start using those, on the Mac, you really they're there. start flying on the Mac. Yeah. I don't think they're there on the iPad. Right. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to make but, sure because uh, we, it, it did get a little confusing in there. Yeah. yeah. But they sometimes time to, sometimes they translate over, obviously like, you know, command W you're closing the window. So last week, I told everybody correctly, I believe, <laughs> that the Mac Geek Gab calendar is far more reliable to subscribe to now. And I explain why. It's at MacGeekGab.com slash calendar. If you want the backstory, go listen to 960. Pete, as always, found what he thought was a hole in our plan. But really, it was just a setting that Pete had somehow set. You clicked on the calendar link, Pete, and it would not launch your calendar app. No. And we have no idea how this setting got set. <laughs> it, it was launching Brave Browser for you. Yeah, so yeah. how did you explain to the, the listeners here how you went to check what your default calendar app is, please? Okay, so just so we're clear, we, we did state a few minutes ago that I have officially reached geezer status. <laughs> I That's only today, Pete. Last week, I, yeah, you weren't. I, That's right. So as I recall, we launched Calendar. Yeah, it's in the show notes. I actually put it in the okay, show notes for everybody. So launched, okay, it, it I'll will, go back to that too. It, we launched calendar yeah. and then and then uh, it was preferences. Correct. And uh, came up with what, you know, default calendar and it listed Brave, the Brave browser. Somehow how that managed to hijack that, never say hijack to a pilot. Uh <laughs> just wow. Hey, it was the airplane. pilot who said it. There you go. Airplane. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Hi, Jack. Yeah. <gasps> Sorry. So, uh, yeah, so we changed it back to calendar and lo and behold, it all worked. Yeah. So if you're clicking on that link and it's taking you to a browser, go into calendar, 
go into preferences and find out what your default calendar is. Yeah, and it is right there. It's on the general tab in preferences, yeah. which should be the first one that comes up. And Pete's right. Yeah, it's default calendar app. Awesome. John, take us to Barry. More quick tips than you can shake a stick at. <laughs> Don't you shake your stick with me. All right. Um, Barry has a quick one, but this could be like peeling an onion. If you activate advanced data protection and you want to download older Mac OSs, it will not let you. I had a laptop crash and I needed to install Catalina. The App Store would not allow it. So I had to turn it off and I am now downloading the software. If this works, I will turn it back on once the laptop is back up and running. The requirement for all devices to be on Ventura is very limiting. All right, so you may ask yourself, not only how do I work this, but what is advanced data protection? I'm still trying to figure it out, Dave. Um, and it actually kind of concerns me. So we'll link to this article here. It's called How to Turn on Advanced Data Protection for iCloud. And apparently, although from what I can tell, if I had to encapsulate this, I believe what they're saying is that the data is going to be not only encrypted point to point, but will also be encrypted on the device. I think that's what this is. Could you chime in on this, gentlemen? I, I you've even looked into it, this. It, yeah, well, it's it's encrypted uh, on Apple servers with your key, as opposed to encrypted on Apple servers with their key. So, okay. so they don't have the ability to decrypt it unless you're using one of your devices that and hopefully somebody in the in the chat will correct us if we're still wrong about this but yeah adp advanced data protection seems to be causing a lot of problems you know i i will just say that ventura i just in, installed ventura i updated ventura on the machine here in the studio and and yeah 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 i know i'm on generated power today so everything is a little bit wonky but even last night when i was testing things here Ventura is like all my stuff works, but like, for example, uh, we use Chrome and StreamYard to to do our 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 stream, what we're doing here, you know, for the audio and the video. And it has worked flawlessly for months on the prior OS, Monterey. And then uh, today on Ventura, if I broadcast it 1080p. I get all kinds of like hiccups and core audio goes out of whack. And I, so like, I don't know about Ventura. I thought it was going to be okay. I'm not convinced about it. I'm, I'm going to give it a little bit and, and see, but, um, but Brian Monroe in our, uh, in our pre-show chat, we were talking about of sharing the issues and finally figured out that 720 would work for me. And that was great. Uh, he says, uh, Mac OS Ventura feels a bit like Apple's Vista. I, I have to say that's prob that's feeling accurate to me in this moment. I, I reserve the right to change my mind, but uh, Vista was mostly from what I recall eye candy, and it upset a lot of people because their computers were too wimpy handle it, and they were like, "Oh, well, we think that people want more eye candy rather than actual functionality." Yeah. So that that was my take on Vista. Yeah, so well, I don't know. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for Vista. Oh. oh, is that what brought you to the Mac? That's Pete? why I switched. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> what? Because it was so horrible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, uh, my advice, and and I and several people in the chat room are are echoing this. Uh, don't turn on advanced data protection yet. Let let things let's let's let other people be the 
the, the test cases on this because I think <laughs> it's probably best. I don't know. It just seems like there is good news, though, in terms of iCloud. Uh, lawyer Jeff shares with us that you can now he stumbled into this and he's correct. You can now buy additional iCloud storage for your uh, for your Apple One plan. So like in the past, if I pick the two terabyte Apple One plan, that was it. Like that was the maximum storage I would get for my family of up to six. Now I can for 10 bucks, 999 US dollars per month. I can add another two terabytes for a total of four. I could also add just 50 gigs uh, for 99 cents a month, 200 gigs for $2 and 99 cents a month. Uh, and so you can, you can mix and match here, but, uh, but it's good to know that like there is a way, I mean, if you've got, if you've got, you know, for even four people that are like heavily using iCloud photo library with, you know, decades plus of photos and then also using iCloud, you know, documents syncing for their entirety of their documents folders. Like you could, you could hit those, those two terabytes. So thanks for that heads up lawyer, Jeff. I'm glad you, glad you stumbled into it and mm. especially glad that you shared it with us. So. Yeah, I was a bit confused when I read this because I'm like, well, I can do the same thing, but I don't have the uh, the enhanced You're not program. On I just one. have the regular. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah so, the, so the Apple One plans offer a baseline that is usually pretty good depending on how much you pay, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I choose to pay for the, the plan with two terabytes, but um, but th when, it, oh, when okay. that plan came out, that was it. And now, and I don't know when they turned this on, but lawyer Jeff stumbled onto it. I don't know, sometime in the last couple of months. And now we're finally getting to the quick tips. So we get to share it. Ah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, in last week's episode 960, we were talking about, we shared a cool stuff found about a new Apple remote that uh, one of the listeners, one of you pointed out to us that was a buttons only remote because they didn't really like the scrubbing control. Well, listener, uh, Carl points out that you can disable the scrubbing feature on the remote. Go into settings on your Apple TV, remotes and devices, click pad and select click only. This will remove scrubbing and scrolling features that make the buttons and, and then just make the buttons into regular buttons, the directional and center select and enter uh, buttons. So, yeah, thanks for that heads up, Carl. That's good to know. So. You don't have to buy a new remote if you don't like the scrubbing, if that's driving you crazy. And I can see where that would drive people crazy. If you're not, if it's like not in your hands that swiping your finger across that pad is going to start to scrub, it can be, it can be jarring at best. So uh, I just got to say, Dave, that at least in my humble opinion, Apple has not done well when it comes to input devices. I don't know. Really? I, I've never been crazy about any of the remotes for the Apple TV. There was just something that just didn't feel right about them, or they added something that I don't need. Like, why do I need Siri on my remote? I don't know. Huh. I I really, the first gen Apple TV remote, the one that if you didn't put it in like a rubber case, it would just smash the first time it dropped. I was not a fan of that one, but I really like the the current one. I, like, that's that's what... We have a Harmony remote in the living room, but if we're using the Apple TV and the Harmony remote will will use the, you know, it'll control the Apple TV. It's all fine. But I 
like 99% of the time I grab the Apple TV remote, the silver one. I really like the Siri remote. It's like, it feels oh, okay. good in the hand. I, yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and as far as input devices go, Apple's magic trackpad. Oh man. Like that's, uh, I've used it. And I'm okay with this though. Uh, it, it, what we have to put in the hall of shame, Dave, is the round mouse on well, the first IMAX. Obviously. That, to me, was just a UI UX nightmare. It's like, hey, let's give you a device where you can't tell which direction it's facing, <laughs> so you don't know what to do. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> no, it's true. It's like, yeah, yeah, you want to you wanna be confused? Here's this. Thank goodness it wasn't a wireless round mouse. Like, that would have really... <laughs> That would have been it, man. Oh, there you go. Right? At least because uh, you could feel where the cord was and know where, you know, where north was, at least, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yeah. The, uh, the Paul France pointed out in the uh, Discord chat that uh, he likes the Siri remote, uh, as do I. When you, instead of having to scroll across the entire gosh darn alphabet to spell out amazon for instance yeah <laughs> you just press and hold the little button and say what you're looking for and it, it makes the searches so much faster that's yeah. what i like it for the yeah. one thing it doesn't do for me and I've, I've never even pursued it but uh the mute button doesn't work i can turn the volume up and the volume down but i have the uh the tp link sound to my sonos sound bar but oh. when i hit the mute button it doesn't doesn't work on the you you should try try i, I hate to say should my advice, try reconfiguring, like go into the settings for the remote yeah. on your Apple TV and, and, and you, there's a place where you can configure the mute button and it will, wow. it will do it for you. So good plan. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, just like finding out you could reset that remote. <laughs> yes, that's back. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Cause I just had to do it. We moved our, our old 4k Apple TV downstairs and I had to like re do that so yeah but yeah i agree with you though the whole using siri to spell things out or just to say words like you know yeah. watch Search white for a show or a movie or, watch yeah. white lotus and you're good to go by the way we watched the first episode of white lotus last night I, I, i'm gonna watch the second one because but like i don't even understand what this show's about i don't understand <laughs> why i'm supposed to care about this show but everybody seems to have lost their minds about it so i'm assuming there's something there but I got to warn you, watch your eyes, shield your eyes when you, when you watch the first episode. That's all I'm going to say. There you go. Yeah. Have either of you Ooh. watched White Lotus? I have not. Okay. No, that's HBO, right? I it is. HBO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to watch on some other things. That's watch cool. Wednesday. Wednesday is very good. I My think. daughter could highly recommended that I do that. I haven't seen it. I hear it's great. Is that the spinoff for the, the, the Adams, Adam's Family, Family Wednesday? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, a lot of good stuff. Oh. Um, also Brian says in our chat room, and I agree with him, um, another UI UX fumble is the magic mouse in that, gee, where should we put the recharging port? Oh, let's put it on the bottom. I'm like, who even approved this? <laughs> right. No, it's no, like, well, you couldn't you it put it on the it. side? <laughs> so like somebody could use it while it's charging. Nope. Oh no, John! That's but I will say the magic trackpad has that, like that, right. it, like it does. So, so they got it right there. They mm. just didn't get it right uh, on the mouse itself. Mm. If your New Year's goals are to manage your budget better and save money, you need Rocket Money. 
Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Things like that streaming service you bought to just watch one show on or that free trial that you never even used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. And Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. I've done this. It's amazing. Simply find the subscription that you don't want and press cancel. Rocket Money will cancel it for you right there. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. I just had a Wall Street Journal subscription that we had with the Mac Observer, but I had to cancel it earlier this year because we don't have the site anymore. I don't use it anymore. They made it like I went through on their website and they wanted me to call and do this. Nope. Rocket Money to the rescue. Super easy. And it's not just me. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to 720 bucks a year. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash MGG. That's rocketmoney.com slash MGG, rocketmoney.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode. Well, you know, here we are. We're in the thick of all these holidays and ready-to-eat meal delivery can lend a helping hand. Factor, our sponsor here, shops, preps, cooks, and delivers to your door so you can enjoy chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals during the holidays, minus the hassle. Plus, with 34 meals per week, including Gourmet Plus, Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan and Veggie, and 36-plus weekly add-ons, you'll have plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. Our holidays are already jam-packed here. Luckily, Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals make it easy to fuel up fast when we're on the go. And I can save time with meals delivered ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. Factors 34 meals a week and 36-plus add-on options include things like smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep us going no matter what we have going on. Factor is cheaper than dining out and takeout. Put the money you save towards, you know, holiday fun and you time or maybe that new gizmo or gadget or cool stuff found that you want to heard about on the show and you want to go get. And thanks to Factor's commitment to ingredients with integrity, you can enjoy flavorful chef-crafted meals guilt-free like their creamy Parmesan chicken and three-bean vegan chili. Head to go.factor75.com slash MGG60 and use code MGG60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code MGG60 at go.factor75.com slash MGG60 to get 60% off your first box. You can find the link in the show notes if that's too much to remember. And our thanks to Factor for sponsoring this episode. You know, I had one of those Factor meals last night. I actually had that vegan chili. It, it, that stuff is delicious. And the other night I had this uh, pork chop thing that they sent. Uh, man, like tasty stuff. I, I highly recommend you check it out. Good, good stuff. All right. I, I know we're, we're supposed to keep going here, but I, I just couldn't. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Um, back to the quick tips because we got, you know, we just we, we got a backlog here and I want to I want to make sure we get through them. Listener Jeff uh, has one to share last week in episode 960. Uh, we were helping out a user who couldn't turn their Bluetooth back on. 
because their mouse and their keyboard were not connected. Uh, John, you were having that problem too, right? Uh, yep. Jeff reminds us that a very simple solution would be to say to Siri, turn on Bluetooth, and she will. And this is assuming that you have Siri enabled on your Mac, of course. So that's the key, is making sure that you have Siri enabled on your Mac. But that would do it. So that's an interesting, I, yeah. I have a stupid question. No questions are stupid here at Mac Geek Gab. No, in fact, stupid question. Just stupid questioners, if, which is why I'm here. No, there's no stupid <laughs> questioners either. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com is for everyone. We, we wait, love wait, answering. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com? I think he All said right. feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I'll write it to you right now then. Well, okay. you know what? While I'm here, I'll just go ahead and ask you. Okay, sure. The, Listener the Pete Mini, writes. Yeah, Pete, Pete writes in. The Mac Mini doesn't have a microphone. So I think, was that not on a Mac Mini? Yeah, it was I on John's remember. Mini, but John has microphones on his computer. And the oh, Mini. Oh, well, there's that. Yeah. I hadn't thought But of you're that. right. Yes. I don't think the Mini has its own built in mic, but does it, John? I know uh, the as Mini far has. As I know, its, it only has a speaker. It has a built in speaker. Mm-hmm. Correct. What if you, if you go to system settings, and of course, this mm-hmm. is super dangerous right now while we're recording a show. But without, I'm just going to look at them. Don't I'm not only look. Touch. That's right. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> so what? Sound. Do I want sound? Input. Yeah, sound and All right. input. So sound in in the disaster of the new dialogue here. <laughs> just I'm with learning you. to get that out of my system. I'm like, Dead this horse. dialogue like changed totally. All right. But anyways, so input, it shows iPhone, um, AG06, which is my Yamaha board, Logitech Brio, OWC Thunderbolt Audio, and Loopback. That's it. So no, is okay. what I see in my input window. All right. So, so yeah. But you do. He does have input options there, which I hadn't thought of. You know, you could yeah. plug in a yeah, yeah. Because it turns out, even though John's one. recording this on a Mac Mini, it, we can hear you, and and that's great. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so happens. Uh, yeah, let's, let's keep moving here on our quick tips. Cause there are, it's just so good. Listener Andrew Woodward in our discord says, um, if you're sharing a video or any file that is too big for email or messenger, go to the video in the photos app, double click on it. In the bottom left, there's a box with an up arrow. That's a little sharing link. Click that at the top. It says options. Click that. Choose send as iCloud link. This will create a link that you can share any way you want. You can paste it wherever you want, whatever messenger or email app, whatever you want, and you're good to go. So I like that idea. I'd forgotten that photos did that. That's a good one, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. I think automatically in mail, if you have to enable it, but I think by default, if you try to send a monstrously huge file, it'll be like, Hey, do you, do you want to maybe do this with iCloud? Yeah, it's um, it's called Mail Drop, and there's a checkbox right, right. in Mail yeah. Preferences Accounts, and then the, it's it, for each account you'd have to choose it. Send large large attack, attachments with Mail Drop, but even yeah. that has limits to its size. I tried to send something that I, I don't, I forget what the size limit was, but Mail Drop definitely uh, it, it had a limit, so. If it's in your photos library, you can just send the the, the photos link too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But yes, mail drops great. I've 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 used that with people and presume it just works, even if it might not. So, uh, listener David reminds us of something that we have done many times. John, you want to you want to share that for us? Uh, yep. Quick and dirty in iMessage, 
or messages, I think it's called now. Um, if you press and slide left, you can see the time of the message sent and received. Yes. Which is true. It is true. And that's on your phone, but you can also do it on your Mac if you have a trackpad. Uh, you can right slide. because I, you know I was exploring that. So the thing is, messages in Mac OS I think is a little different, and that it'll. No, actually, you're right. No, it will not show that information. It'll show you in the timeline the date of a message, right? But it will not show right. a time and date stamp. Again, as you pointed out, or unless you have recent. a trackpad. And if you don't have a trackpad, you can still see it. What you do is you right click on the on the message text itself okay. and mm -hmm. choose show times and then ah, it will slide them over. There it is. Yep. Okay, so that's the equivalent. Very that's good. the equivalent. Yep. And and staying with those lines, along those lines real quickly, um in the the latest Ventura, you can now edit in messages, sure. in messages that you sent or unsend. Um I don't know what happens with unsend. If it goes I think it goes away. If you have iOS sixteen and I unsend something to you, it goes away. But then if you click on the message that you edited, it will come up and it'll ghost above it and you can see what was originally there. Yes. And so just if you wanted to go back and check. I found it doesn't really delete it. I mean, if because if yeah. someone had iOS 15, then right. they would still see your message even if you said you deleted it. Like they might get a, a second text saying, Pete deleted Hey, don't come to my house this weekend. I don't want to see you for Christmas anymore. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. There you go. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, Abby, while we're on phone fun, says, here's a quick tip for those using picture-in-picture -picture on iPhone or iPad. I love picture-in-picture -picture on the iPhone, but there are times when I don't want an app to switch into picture-in-picture -picture window and instead just continue playing audio in the background. Ah, so you're playing something, but you don't want the uh, you don't want the image cluttering up your screen, but you want the audio to still play. Great. Here's how to do it. Usually, he says, you would swipe up on the home bar to get out of the app, which would then open the picture-in-picture -picture video. Instead of this, swipe up on the home bar and hold to open the app switcher. Ah, so don't just swipe up, swipe and like do that little little jog leg to the right to open the app switcher. And then from there, swipe up once more to get out of the app switcher and back to the home screen. Doing that little extra step will prevent the app from going into picture and in picture mode and the audio will continue playing in the background. Yeah, keep it from closing. That's smart. Yeah. Oh, that's a good little word. That's not going to be documented anywhere. That's not I've supposed done, to happen. No, I've but, done that a couple of times and I wonder, and I don't know why I wonder, because it doesn't matter. I'm wondering if you're still getting all the data since you're not looking at the video anymore, or if you're just getting the audio data. Well, if it's like this show, if you're, if you're watching it on YouTube and listening, I mean, sure, you can see us sitting here and doing it. And occasionally mm -hmm. we share things on the screen, but we know that the majority of our audience is listening audio only. So like, if you're watching this on, on YouTube, you could, you could put it in the background and just listen. Yeah, but I guess the question is, does the does the video data continue to go even oh, if you've got it in the background? Are, are you, you still, still chewing your data? Streaming yeah. the data to your phone? That's a really good question. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. It, I, it wouldn't surprise me if you were because the yeah. app, I mean, you're doing this little workaround to, to just prevent the picture-in-picture -picture window from appearing. From showing. 
But you're still getting the data. The probably. app probably thinks it's still coming in. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And of course, to do this with YouTube, you'd need YouTube Premium because otherwise, you don't get background viewing uh, on YouTube with oh, okay. uh, on iOS. Yeah, I just do it with Directv Stream. There you that's go. Right. I put it yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, John, your Apple Watch got stuck. I don't know how I got to this place, but I was doing something with my watch. And all of a sudden, I had a configuration screen, and it was like, oh, do you want to do list view or grid view or whatever? And I'm like, um, I don't know why you're here, but go away. And so I clicked the close button, and it didn't. Oh. <laughs> and that this screen was still there. So I'm like, what do I do now? Because I want to get back, you know, I mean, normally on the watch, when you, you know, click on the crown or, or something, yeah. the watch face comes up, but it didn't. This screen was still there. So I'm convinced it was a bug. Okay. Um, I've upgraded recently. So maybe uh, the recent upgrade in watchOS uh, fixed this. But then I was like scratching my head saying, how do I reset my Apple Watch? Has anybody asked themselves this question? Um Unfortunately, Apple has an article called Restart Your Apple Watch. And in a nutshell, there are two things you could do. You could either hold down the crown, and if you wait a while, you'll then see a screen that has a little power button. That will shut down your thing. But then this was even more interesting. If you want to do a force restart, which just sounds kind of macho, but no. Um, if you want to force restart... It's even better. You hold down the crown and the button that's below it, and eventually it will restart the watch. So as with most Apple devices, restarting is a last resort. Yeah. Don't do that yeah. unless you can't figure it out otherwise. Right. You know, similar on the Mac, like, you know, a force thing is hold down the power button, and that will shut down your Mac, any Mac, if you hold down the power button for a while. Yeah. But it can have negative repercussions. So it's, yeah, it's not the best things don't get to close the the way they mm -hmm, might want mm -hmm. to. Yeah. So you, your, your tips that, that you're spot on, of course, and good tips. Uh, you said hold down the crown and the button below it. And that reminded me that I choose to wear my watch in the right correct now. orientation, which <laughs> has the uh, it's on my left hand. I, I choose to put it on my left wrist. But I have the button uh, facing away from my hand, up my arm, because obviously it's so much easier to scroll with my thumb uh, when my right thumb over on my left wrist, boom, it's right there on my watch. And then also uh, it, it, it's not like getting it's I'm not pushing the crown, you know, if my watch gets close to my wrist and I'm pushing up against it. So. Yeah, I can I can scroll, and uh, it's obviously the right way to do it. I don't know why everybody doesn't do it that way. How do you do? How do you wear yours, Pete? I actually, well, because I'm a southpaw, right? Um, I, I have always worn my watch on my right arm. So I, when I set it up, I set it up in the other orientation. So my my digital crown is in fact below that button as well. Okay, but I'm not worried about it banging up against my manly hands. The uh, it just. <laughs> oh, so your your crown is towards your hand or towards your arm? It is towards my hand. Towards yes. your hand. Okay. Yeah. So you wear yours backwards as well. 
Well, is what you know, know, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys are wearing it in the default configuration. I, I am the one that, that has intentionally mm-hmm. spun it around. And you can do that in the watch app. Yeah. You just choose which side you want the yeah. crown on, right side or left side of the watch. The other thing I wanted to touch on, he talked about the app view, and it's in settings and app view, and you can do either grid or list. I tried list for a while, but the list is so gosh darn long. Mm. <laughs> you go, all right, this is terrible. So I went back to grid, and then... The easy way to set that up is in the watch app on your phone. Yeah. So you aren't doing it in the tiny mode on your watch screen. You can do it on your phone screen. I, yeah, I, I considered that. Though the thing is, the grid view just gets kind of crowded, and I don't see how it does. So you could share your experience. Is that yeah. how accurate? And as far as I found, the the, the watch is pretty accurate yeah. with the touch interface. Uh, I'm just concerned that I'm gonna tap on the wrong thing and then i have to quit it and then you know try again but i find that the default when when i first touch the crown the default gives me enough of the grid uh spread out enough that i can then move it around and <laughs> because i set it up on my phone and spend some time looking at it i try to group apps together like weather apps and that sort of thing over in one side and apps that i use most often near the center the alarm that sort of thing so they're right there but, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's more of a memory thing. Like I go to apps on my phone all the time, knowing where they are and not so much looking for the logo or the, the icon. That's fair. So. Yeah. 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 Interesting folks. Let us know what you do. What are your, what are your tips for making your watch smooth and your operation of your watch smooth and seamless feedback at MacEcab.com. Uh, all right. Ken, we're still in quick tips here because it's, it's what yeah. we do. Uh, Ken's got one about stage manager of all things. He says, I installed Ventura and stage manager didn't work. It was grayed out in system settings. I figured out what was wrong. I found an Apple support article. In fact, he says where they tell you to go into system settings, go to desktop and dock and make sure that the displays have separate spaces. Checkbox is turned on. You should now, and you'll probably have to reboot uh, or at least log out and log back in for that to take effect. Now you will see stage manager and control center. Yeah. So this is this stage manager and spaces are very much related to one another. Uh, you know, I think stage manager is the evolution of, of spaces and, and maybe mission control together. I don't know. It's like, you know, but yeah. So thank you for that, Ken. That's, that's good stuff. Um, another tip on stage manager comes from listener Kirit, who shares with us, uh, for those who love stage managers, sometimes we want two windows on the desktop. This is difficult to do because when you bring one window up, the other one goes to the side. For example, if you're working on, say, messages and you want to drag something from the finder, if you bring the finder window up, the message window goes away. So my quick tip is hold down the shift key and click on the window in the side that you want to open and voila, they both will open next to each other. So that's you, you hold down the shift, shift, click a window to add, not replace in stage manager, which kind of I guess the way I would remember this is is like when you're making a selection, it, for example, in the finder, you know, if you clicked on on one file and then you click on another one, the first file selection goes away. The, the focus changes to the, the second thing that you clicked. However, if you click the first thing and then hold down the shift key and click the second, it adds to the selection. So maybe that's how we need to. There you go. That's how we need to put it in our brains so we remember how to do this later in the, in our thing. I don't know. That's that's how I that's how I do it. Any more quick tips? I think we got through most of them. 
I think. I don't know. I think we should shift click to questions answered. You know, I have one more sh- quick tip. I, it's I oh, can never mind. I can. Well, I don't know where I put this, but uh, but I I see it in our in our backup documents here, and it's from Andrew Woodward again in Discord uh, related to episode nine forty nine when we were talking about Siri and controlling things. Is uh, is he says you can use Siri to turn on your Apple TV, so you can say you know Siri turn on Apple TV. Uh, and you can also uh, and and then also use it to control volume and all of that stuff right there. If you have a voice activated Sonos speaker, you can say, uh, hey, Sonos, and then do those things. Um, hey, Sonos, ignore this command. Sorry if I triggered your, <laughs> your Sonos. <laughs> it's hopefully went away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the nice part. Well, I guess hey, Siri, uh, Siri would do the same thing. Sorry, I'm trying not to trigger everybody's devices. <laughs> Maybe I should have not done this quick tip. Maybe I was not prepared for this. I don't know. John, save us. Take us to Alan's question, would you? Yeah, oh boy. Yeah, this is a good one. All right. Alan says, when I try to give full disk access to an app, it does not show up in the list. The list is empty and stays that way. The fact that the list is empty for all the permissions I've tried make me wonder if the problem is with Ventura. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Safe bet. Remember, Ventura is Apple's Vista. So uh-huh. yep. that's I think that's gotta be the title um, of the show. I mean it's our yeah. mantra yes, today. I I, uh, I I would add my vote to that. Um I've had this problem with Carbon Copy Cloner, Text Expander, and Bartender. I'm unable to use these apps because of this issue. Um and I've heard of this happening more uh, more and more often, Dave. Um, and the best I can tell is if things are not showing up in that, that's probably a corrupt database. Now, whether it's been your, your, your experience upgrading to Ventura or not, I don't know, but probably as we said, um, but believe it or not, our good friend, Glenn Fleischman. So I, I, I was searching around for, for a solution to this. And I found this dandy article over at Macworld that was, he just recently wrote, probably because how to reset macOS privacy preferences when other options don't work. And he explicitly John, mentions. Wait, I screwed something up there. I, I, I clicked on a thing on my computer, which is like enabling 1080p video, it turns out. And right. it meant that core audio reset. So for the uh, listeners at home, would you share the title of Glenn's article again? That's the only part that I that I, I how to on. reset Mac OS privacy preferences when other options don't work. Perfect. Thank you. So that's the best I have. So it's a it's, a, you know, kind of like hashes, which we all love, but we hate because they screw up. The same thing here is that there must be a database that is corrupted. So. Let's get and basically the article tells you how from the command line to eradicate this database so it rebuilds it and hopefully your apps will appear. But that's that's the best I got. Yeah. Yeah. I I have experienced so with them not appearing there, that's something thankfully I haven't experienced. And I think your solution is certainly the the best place to start. Um what I have experienced, and I know a lot of people have experienced with Ventura is on reboot you will get 
a series of dialogues saying, hey, bartender needs permission to be able to control the menu bar. Default folder needs permission for this. You know, stay needs permission for that. And I get a whole bunch of them. And if I go in they're not only are they in the list, but they are turned on in the list. I think with Ventura and I'm putting an asterisk here because I believe Apple has fixed it. But I think with Ventura, there's some delay in the OS presenting that permission to a given app. So the app looks for it, says, oh, it's not there. And then, of course, it throws up its dialogue saying, hey, man, you got to do this for me. And you go and you're like, hey, man, it's already done. And usually what happens is you got to quit the app and relaunch it. And then the app's like, hey, man, all good. Um, However, with Ventura 13.1 this week, I have not experienced that since. And let me tell you, this computer in my studio here rebooted many, many times <laughs> this morning when I was trying to live with flickering power. Tried to live with my UPS on flickering power, but it hadn't quite recharged itself because, you know, the power had been out for several hours. Anyway, I never saw a single one of those dialogues here in the studio this morning. So I think 13.1 is presenting that information to apps sooner uh, uh, you know, sooner after startup is really what it was. So hope maybe, and maybe for listener Alan, this 13.1 fixes it too. Who knows? Well, Alan might know. So let us know. We'd like to know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. That's a good one. Uh, and then we got Mark. <clears throat> I love this one because we figured it out. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, so anyways, um, Ever since I updated to Ventura, when I go to many websites, I get a long 10 to 15 second delay before the page loads. This is happening in several browsers. I've run Onyx, Clean My Mac, etc. to clean the DNS cache. Any other ideas? Um, and then he gave a screenshot of his DNS servers. And this is what clued me into what the potential problem is. Um, the screenshot that he gave when I saw the items listed in DNS servers under Ethernet. Um, he had 1111-1001 and a couple of others that I guess are IPv6. Um, uh, although not incorrect, um, punching in a DNS server in the DNS field is not the approach that I would take. Um, the approach that I would take, and as a Turns out it worked out for him is, uh, so two things. So one, they were both Cloudflare IP addresses. So one thing I'm going to comment on is where they were located is that they were located on the client and not in your router. So that's one thing I would do. Um, the other wait, wait, is that what, if you what, are going to What would you do? Finish that thought. You, you would put them... I'll finish your thought for you just to to pull it together. So you would remove them from the client, from your Mac, and then let your Mac use your router as the DNS server. And if you want to use Cloudflare, put Cloudflare DNS on your router. That I just, just so people people understand the the complete thought. Right. And I believe that's what happened here. Um, The other suggestion I would make is that, if you are going to enter, typically most routers, when you set up DNS, it asks for a primary and a backup. I would not use the same provider for both, and I do not personally. Smart. Um, 
is that that that's the way it works. If the first one doesn't work, it goes to the second one. If they're the same, that's probably not good. Yeah. No, that's good <laughs> advice. Yeah. I, I have I, Cloudflare. I mean, first of all, it is so I've, I've never, well, maybe once I've seen Cloudflare's DNS have any issues. There was that problem last year, but um, Cloudflare runs so much of the internet now that it, it, by using them for DNS, you're probably jumping ahead of the line of most other people for so many things, because not only do they run DNS for so many people, they cache a lot of websites and stuff. So Cloudflare knows, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I've always used both you know, two different Cloudflare addresses for my primary and backup. It, it, I know that Cloudflare doesn't host those in the same locations, right? Not only are they, mm -hmm. are they, you know, redundant uh, on their own, but the separate ones are separate. Uh, are, are those easy to remember IP addresses or one dot, one dot, one dot one and one dot. <laughs> o dot, o dot one. So hold on. I, and I, I so I use it. them. <laughs> But I also use Google, which I believe is 8.8.8.8. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And I've always used OpenDNS because, I well, I've had little ones. You did too. I used it for uh, a while. Yeah. Yeah, little ones in the house, and it's easier now, to filter out the, the more of the evil stuff that's out there. Now, the thing is, you may be asking yourself, how do I pick the best one? And there are tools out there. Now, unfortunately, I think because of changing operating systems and all that, uh, DNS Bench, I think, is the name of the program. Uh, I can't currently get working on my current setup mm. because I upgraded everything because that's what you do to break things. <laughs> right. Um, but actually, Thing, and specifically Thing Desktop, has, uh, though I think you have to throw them some money or they may have a trial, but they do have a DNS benchmark built into their Thing Desktop tool. Nice. Um. And, you know, it shows the list, it shows response times, it shows the IP address. Um, so that's another thing I would do on occasion is benchmark your DNSs um, with a program that knows how to do that. Because, yeah, yeah it, can, it can slow you down, as we found. It, it sounds like, I, I think in this case what happened is that something bad did get cached. Well, well no, he said he tried to clear that, so... Yeah. I don't know what the problem was, but yeah, going to your router to get DNS, which is kind of counterintuitive by a DHCP, um, I think is the best strategy for most setups. It just makes life easier to manage because you manage DNS in one spot and your router will cache DNS entries. So if one person in your household, you you know, looks something up, now your router's got it and it can pass it along. Or even, even if it's if it's just you and your household if one of your devices looks it up, now it's cached on your router. All your other devices will get the benefit of that mm -hmm. cache. So, yeah. Um, and am I correct in remembering, for instance, let's say you're using uh, PIA, Private Internet Access VPN. Your DNS query still goes in the clear to your internet service provider if you're using them, correct? Um, it it depends. A lot oh. of, a lot, and I forget, I think PIA hides your dns by by routing dns through them oh, um, okay. yeah and in fact you can use dns over https if your router supports it and i don't want to say most many routers support dns over https which is what i do now i i run cloudflare's dns dns secure and so my my requests go in the clear to my router but from my router out of my network it's a it's a secured tunnel to cloudflare so my isp 
does not know what I'm doing. I, but I would also say that my ISP does not know what I'm doing. Um, I use <laughs> no, I use I use Consolidated now or Fidium. As long as you know, Dave. Yeah, Fidium. <laughs> they they don't monitor anything near as near as I can tell. I wouldn't yeah, right. necessarily. But some ISPs do still monitor m- most, and, and sell that data. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah exactly. So they charge you, and then they turn around and sell you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We still don't track listeners. We don't, and we don't let our sponsors track listeners on the show. I'm really proud of that. I, I, it's cost us money, probably not an insignificant amount. To, to if I'm being candid. Well, it's to the 14 of you watching right now, we're, we're yeah. Well, but I mean, there's there's you know <laughs> tens of thousands of people that download the the people watching right now are being tracked because they're watching on YouTube, um, yeah. and so that's not up to us. But but the the people downloading from the feed, we do not let anyone track, and and we probably turn down. I don't know. It probably probably thirty percent uh, business is is that we could have captured if we were willing to do that. Yeah. Uh oh. I'm getting flickers up here, guys. We should keep moving forward. I don't know go. what's going on with that Jenny down there. Uh, go, go, go. Ned, speaking of Wi-Fi, I guess and routers. Ned has a question. He says, "I'm upgrading my modem and router from my uh, ISP, which is CenturyLink fiber." Says the new modem router that they sent me is an Axon C4000XJ from CenturyLink. It does not look like I can replace it. I have to use this. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Says I'm still going to upgrade my Unify access point to a mesh system. Currently, I'm looking at Eero Pro 6E or TP-Link Deco Pro, the AXE 5400. Any thoughts on the differences between Eero and TP-Link? Um, as listeners know, I, I I like both of these systems. I'm currently using the Eero Pro 6E. Uh, I have tested the TP-Link Deco, and I, like it is, I call the Deco my budget recommendation. And it, but it's it like I would never use the word cheap because it's really well built. It is it, they they can save you money. I, I think for two reasons. Number one is that they control the whole widget. They, they you know they're a massive company. They can do all their own engineering and manufacturing, and so they're not in a scenario where they have to outsource things. And and I, I think that economy of scale really really helps them. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think I am. And so I think that's the biggest part of it. The second part, though, is fundamental to the way each of these things work, Eero versus TP-Link Deco, and they are different in that TP-Link Deco is what I'll call self-managed. You control the device locally. It doesn't reach out to the cloud to do anything, uh, whereas Eero is very much cloud-managed. You're never talking directly to the Eero. You are talking to the cloud, which then pushes your preferences and settings back down. They have to keep running that cloud, so they got to factor that cost in up front as well, I think. That cloud management, though, is, to me, what sets Eero and Plume ahead of the pack. Because with that cloud management, it means they are constantly learning. Now, we have to trust that they're not, like, tracking our stuff. I mean, they tell us they're not tracking our our personal stuff. We have to trust that. Uh, But the reason I like that is because they are seeing, you know, hundreds of thousands of devices, if not millions of, probably millions of devices connecting to routers and access points all day long, every day. And they can identify where there are problems and then they learn, okay, well, if you have this very specific Samsung device 
it shouldn't be allowed to roam because that's going to screw things up. So they don't let that device roam, right? And you, this is 100% transparent to you as the user. You just connect and it's magic. It works perfectly. And I think that's a big part of it. But in your home, that may or may not matter. So it's, you know, if, if, if you don't like the idea of something being cloud managed, try out the TP link. If you really like the idea of something being cloud managed like me, try out the Eero. That's my, thank you for coming to my TED talk. I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> there you go. My initial gripe, and you remember this, Dave, when the era first came out and, you know, they sent us some to review, was that, uh, to me, one minor, perhaps, downside is that era requires you to manage from an iOS device. Or an Android device. Or an Android. There is no web interface. That's not entirely like, true. Now there is well, they, a way to could, have a web well, interface. The thing is, I can't go to a web page and manage my Eero, as far as I know, unless I'm part of their developer program. Y- yeah, right? you could you could be part of their their reseller program, or the Eero Pro program, yeah. and, and then you do get a web interface if you want to do it that way. Yeah. To me, that was the only downside, yep. in that a lot of other solutions will either offer an app or a web page, or whichever you want. But um, other than that, I mean, I'm, you know, totally thrilled. You know, I mean, the Eero does what I need and does it well. Yeah. 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 And I've got those TP links. Uh, geez, I don't know how many years I've had those now. They've just worked flawlessly in the background. Yeah. Well, I've also found TP links software um, is uh, the iOS software is pretty good. So I have some extenders and, and other yeah. things, not as a base station, but um. Yeah, they do pretty good. Every now and then they'll misspell something, which is kind of humorous. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, both work great. I, I mean, I you know, I I I have had great luck with both of them in my environments. I have a lot of family and friends who have chosen to go the TP Link Deco route because it's less expensive, and obviously that you know that matters when you're not just getting stuff shipped to you like like we do. So I, I get that, and and it's great. So I, you know, very few complaints about the TP-Link Deco stuff. But where I do hear, if I'm going to hear complaints, and it's not always in these environments, but the the high congestion environments, apartments, things like that, where the idea of having up-to-date cloud smarts actively helping you manage your Wi-Fi network can really matter. And that's where um, that's where Eero and, and Plume kind of kick in. So, Nice. Uh, we still got a little more time. I'm seeing the lights behind. I'm not seeing anything in front of me flicker, which is super good. But in, in my camera view, you know, like I do see the lights flicker here every now and then, which makes sense. I mean, I'm, I'm on a generator and it's not like the, the, this one's a portable generator. It's 8,000 kilowatts. So it's, or eight, uh, yeah, 8,000 kilowatts. So no, 8,000, 8,000 watts. I don't know, whatever it is. It's 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 plenty for what I'm powering here, but it is a gasoline powered generator, so it doesn't have all of the like power smoothing that like the, our our standby generator at the house has, which has been like rock solid power. So anyway, also I might run out of gas, but well, there's that you know, uh, Pete, you want to share yeah. Elliot's uh, cautionary tale of PSA? I, I, I do, and and uh, the thing with Elliot, the best part about his question is uh, he answered it. 
So, you know, oh, <laughs> we get to sit back like on our laurels. But let's have a little bit of a, of a philosophical discussion if we shall. I'll cover some of his email. If if I get disjointed, let me know and I'll, I'll circle back. But uh, Elliot writes in, this is not a common occurrence, but in my humble opinion, everyone should prepare for it. My Ventura install was getting a little wonky last night, so I went into recovery mode and used it to reinstall the latest version of the operating system. This is on an M1 MacBook Pro. I realized soon after up and running that my user account, Elliot, the only account on the machine, had lost administrative privileges. Yeah, sad trombone. I was standard user. There was no admin account on the machine. (laughs) Guess what? Guess what you need to grant admin privileges? You, uh, you need an admin account to do. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm really, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do not know the answer here. I am waiting with bated yeah. breath. So he Googled lost admin privileges on a Mac and it resulted in a number of uh, steps to go through, uh, but all for earlier Mac. That's the thing I've noticed as well is that uh, thing when you Google stuff right now, uh, it's all for <laughs> earlier versions of an operating system. So there, yeah. there aren't as many Ventura uh, solutions out there yet. But uh, he basically, they're all this in the disk utility, uh, op- disk utility in the recovery mode. Boat into the recovery mode, go into disk utility, uh, mount the data partition of your boot drive, and then exit disk utility, uh, staying in the recovery mode, and open a terminal session. And then we'll put all this in the show notes. But the, the articles instruct you to navigate to a, uh, a folder and delete dot apple setup done oh. file. And when you reboot after that, you'll be at the initial Mac setup and you can create a new user account, which will have admin rights. Um, uh, eventually he discovered that there was a new twist in Ventura, uh, directory listings in the recovery mode, uh, terminal showed a private folder. And that's when he was able to find, uh, the, the path that Apple set up done file to get rid of it. It was in volumes, data, private. Okay. Volume slash data slash private slash var VAR slash nobody's going to remember it put it we'll put it in the show yeah it'll be in the show notes but i I wanted to say the slashes in case someone's trying to stop sure yeah fair yeah Yeah. fair sorry about so um no worries so uh entering the rm command uh, he entered the full path he says i breathed a sigh of relief when i was able to verify the file was truly deleted then i could go on and reboot and set up a new user account and elevate my original account elliot account to administrator role as it needed to be uh, I was all set to delete the new account when I realized it's good insurance to retain two administrator accounts on the machine. Uh, in case anything happened to the real one, I would still have a way to access admin privileges. Uh, this was a prime illustration of the one is none and two is one dictum. Uh, if it is worth taking to your listeners uh, through this tale of woe, the takeaway lesson is to consider having two admin accounts on your computers so you never get caught. And, I, you know, I wrote him back and I said, you know, a, a wise Mac geek once told me, uh, have a plain vanilla account on your machine at all times. And I, I do. Mine's called Shooter, which has raised a few eyebrows from my wife. You know, it's short for troubleshooter. I'm not going crazy or anything. <laughs> but it, I've always had that account there. So I could determine, is this a global error? Or is this an account specific error? And after reading Elliot's email, I went in and I elevated my shooter account to admin status as well. So I ask you guys, is there a downside to having two admin accounts? I'm the only one that uses the computer. John. Um, the only point I wanted to make, it kind of concerns me that if you go into recovery, you can kind of, uh, 
sneak past whatever it, it sounds to me like you 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 could potentially sneak past oh not potentially recovery you are root like when, yeah. when you mount that right. draw, well, when you when you get the terminal prompt you are you are root so whatever you do you can you can which is how it needs to be i mean it like otherwise yeah. I, like you can't, otherwise you can't access your own machine yeah 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 but but it is you are right that like this is part of the reason we say if somebody gets their hands on your computer i you know security is far less um but if your drive is encrypted then you know not quite it's less less well, well, yes yeah 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 and does do they even still have i haven't looked in a while but there's um is it recovery mode or what? What is the mode? Open in Command R, right? Boot, reboot. Uh, no, R. firmer, firmer. Uh, yeah, it's a firmer something or other. Mm. There's a oh, way it used to be a firmware lock. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to get more info on that. I don't but think the that thing exists is, on M1. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Know. Yeah, the thing is, it's a mechanism where you can disable certain things, like pe- people being able to boot into recovery. I believe right, right. it will block that if you have it on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 if you had that on, it would. I, again, I don't think you can do that on M1, but because um, okay. it's well, because it's just all different. It, it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Nice I, I, have back. I have always made my my I call it my test account uh, okay. that has always had admin privileges, Pete. So I can speak okay. with experience to your question. Okay. No issues whatsoever having two admin accounts. The only issue would be that one might guess the password. It's two two attack vectors, right? So right. It, you know if you can't guess the 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 very very short password to my standard admin account, you can guess the sh- only short password to my test account. Um, you know, again, if somebody gets their hand on my computer, uh, it's like. Yeah, it's yeah. all bets are off. I yeah, mean, I, I I use the same password for both accounts. I know that's not the best practices, but again, it's my computer. I'm the only one that uses it. Yep. And I figured, you know, rather than trying to remember two passwords for the same machine, yeah, keep keep it as one. Keep it as one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, all right. Yeah, I mean, how, that what a horrible feeling of <laughs> adrenaline going through the heart when you realize you can't administer your own machine, dude. And, and, you know, that's, you will, and I can tell you folks from experience, you will experience the same feeling of dread when you realize that someone has hacked and changed the password for one of your other accounts out there in the world. So don't use the same password. I know we all know this, but let me just say it again. Don't use the same password everywhere. Go through the, the trouble of setting different passwords everywhere Use a password manager. Obviously, the one built into macOS is fine. macOS and iOS. One password's fine. I, John, I think you still use LastPass. I, I hear less and less people using it because of their... Uh, yeah. We're going to have to talk about LastPass. They recently had an incident, and I'm not convinced how serious it sure. is. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm... I'm it, the next time I have free time, so, you know, never, uh, I'm going to start... I'm going to move everything over to Bitwarden. Which is uh, you can uh, you can host it with Bitwarden, but you can also host your own Bitwarden server on your disk station, uh, which I do. I host my own Bitwarden server. I just don't have anything in it, but that that's that's on my on my list. So I went from one password to Bitwarden, and I went 
back. Interesting. Sometime later, just because, well, because it was just easier to have the whole family on. Well, now you can do, Bitwarden's actually part of the reason, that the family thing is part of the reason I want to move to Bitwarden, because the whole 1Password, the different vaults thing gets super confusing. And Bitwarden, you choose to share passwords, not like, there's not Not this weird, you get stuck in a vault and you can't see your other stuff. Stupid. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, We are almost done, but I do have one cool stuff found I want to share just because I'm super excited about it. Uh, DaVinci Resolve, which is kind of like it's a Final Cut competitor. Uh, It's available for the Mac and you can download it for free and use it. And chances are, uh, if you're downloading it for free, everything you'll want to do will work in the free version forever. Um, They just came out with DaVinci Resolve for iPad. And I think that's pretty cool. And I wanted to make sure everybody knew. So it's just, it's one of my favorite apps um, just because it's makes editing video easy and, and it's super powerful. Like if it, it, you would only need to pay for it. And it's like relatively inexpensive in, in that realm. I think it's like 300 bucks or 350 bucks for the, for the pro version, but you would only use the pro version if you're truly doing professional stuff and maybe not even then. So um, so it would, it would be well worth it at that point to pay for it. No, it's, I'm, have either of you used, Pete, have you used DaVinci Resolve? I have not. Yeah. No. I've, uh, <clears throat> I have actually, I'm shocked at how good iMovie is. I mean, it's as, it's better than Final Cut was 10 huh. years ago. I got to dig back into iMovie then. There are, so you can, you know, I, I helped my son do a thing for his, uh, project back in the spring. He had, he was talking about automobile safety and how it applied from the racetrack and F1 to the car. And, you know, we wanted to circle, put a circle around a car and follow as it went through a crash. And you can do all that stuff. You can, you can highlight. Amazing. You can can move things around seamlessly on there. It's beautiful stuff. I mean, it really looks professional and nice. Huh. Um, All right. Yeah. yeah, I got to dig back in. How, how good it was. I I haven't used it in a long time. Huh? Cool. And the price is right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Uh, John, I, wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm assuming maybe you can give us one of your patented one-word answers. Have you used DaVinci Resolve? No. There it is. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, make sure you check out Pete's other show if you want to hear more from him. So there I was, .us, all pilot-oriented stuff fantastic stories being told over there our thanks to of course all of you just for listening and then our thanks to everyone who sent in questions and and cool and quick tips this weekend even cool stuff found and uh and of course thanks to cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you in addition make sure you please check out our sponsors you can see them all at macgeekgab.com slash sponsors and then of course the two we mentioned in this episode rocketmoney.com slash mgg go do that and then go.factor.seven oh, sorry go.factor75.com slash mgg60 just go to macgeekgab.com slash sponsors and click it's way easier do it so I think nice. the gas lasted John Pete it's your birthday do you have anything oh, is, to share? Which makes me feel like uh, I got caught. I don't know. Because <laughs> if I were you, I would just, you know, here's what I have to tell you, folks. Don't get caught. Don't do it. Don't. Made on a Mac. 
Happy New Year, everybody. We'll see you next year.